Thanks for joining us today. You're listening to the podcast. If you don't know, now you know. I'm your host, Mr. Hacker. Please enjoy the show. Start. Um, Mr. Hacker here at If You Don't Know, Now You Know. What's going on, everyone? Uh, hope you're all having a beautiful day. Thanks very much for listening in. But uh, this beautiful guest I have here this morning, Alexa, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I feel like I need to like up the ante since when I asked you that same question. It's like, yeah, I'm fucking awesome. Bring in the energy, hey. Bringing the energy. Exactly. Vibing. Matching the vibe, and that's that's what it is. You know, got to be the vibe in the tribe some days, and that's usually my task and my job in life is to bring the energy to the room. But I usually like to start off the podcast, first things first, uh, three things you're grateful for today. Ooh, I love that question. Um, I am grateful for having the opportunity to sit here with you and have a chat on your podcast. Um, I'm grateful for having the epic story that I do have to share because I wasn't always grateful for parts of it. And I'm grateful for the incredible friends that I have in Sydney that have been able to, you know, support me during the year that has been 2020. Mm. Yeah, amen to mm. that too. I'll join that one. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to roll into it in a second, but I like to give them my plugs at the start of the podcast. Uh, where do you mostly live on socials, et cetera? Um, your Instagram, Facebook, whatever you have. Can we just give us a quick plug and tell me where we can find you? Probably the best place to find me is on Instagram. If you don't know, now you know I'm Action Alexa. Um, I'm pretty good at answering any questions in there. So if after today anyone wants to have a chat about anything or has any questions, I am, like I said to you, an absolute open book when it comes to my story. Um, I want to help as many people as I can. So feel free to slide into the DMs and I will do my best. Otherwise, I'm just Alexa Talzy on Facebook and Twitter. Done deal. And I'll throw the link to that below as well, description, so you guys can go in there and slide into the DMs, as as we said, and ask you any <laughs> questions. But let's go straight into it. Uh, why, why, like, why the support crew in Sydney? Like, why has that been so important to you? And I guess I want to go straight. Why, why has this year been such a challenge for you? Look, I'm not going to say it's been a, more of a challenge for me, to be honest. Like I'm actually in a really good place and sometimes I feel guilty saying that. I had this conversation like sort of a month or so into COVID with a few people who were really, really struggling. And for a lot of them, this was actually the first big challenge or kind of like big traumatic event that had actually happened in their life. And for me, it's kind of like just another shit thing that happened. I was like, okay, strategize. The shit things happened. You have no control over it. What can you do to get through it? And who's around you that you can pull on to draw from the support and to get support from? And, you know, for me, circumstances that aren't ideal, I kind of, I don't want to say I thrive off them, but I use them as challenges. I don't view them as obstacles. Um, and that's because I've had so many traumatic events in my life that I've kind of just had to pull myself through. So this is just another one of those. And I think for people who've never had an experience that's incredibly traumatic or who've never been through painful situations, they don't necessarily understand that they're going to come through the other side. So they don't have that hope or that faith that they can make it through. So, you know, for me, it wasn't that bad, but I've built up an incredible network over the years. People who like, I guess one of my biggest toxic traits or my probably my biggest toxic trait is that I don't readily ask for help. I'm really not the person that goes out to ask for help. I'm used to doing everything by myself. And the people I have around me now know that. So they would be there to offer support or just be there to check in before I've even had to ask a question. And that's why they're so, you know, they're so unique. And I'm so grateful to have them around because there's not that many people that you meet like that that just inherently know that they should check in. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky. Yeah, I can really relate to that as well because I was such a lone soldier. And it, and it wasn't it wasn't because I didn't have the right people around me. It's just that I felt like it was all good. I didn't want to burden that on anyone. I got this. It's all sweet. I'll just keep going and keep going and keep pushing. Uh, and it's really important to know and understand for me, like now, um, looking at my lifestyle now, I have the right support around me and they can hold me in any way possible. And I'm like, if I'm going to jump and have a crack at something in life, if all things fail, I know that the right support is there. So that's that's a really big thing, I feel. A lot of people don't it's trust. It's interesting because I like when I went to a school, it would have been like a couple of years ago when I started doing the speaking for living. Yep. And I was at school and I was talking about, you know, because obviously the mantra is that eight weeks to speak and it's all about speaking up and having the courage to have those conversations and to share your story. 
And I was having a chat to some of the students and one of the things I was asking them was like, you know, you have a best mate, right? And your best mate comes to you or someone that you know comes to you and they've got something going on in their life that they need a little bit of help with and they need support and they might need a little bit of guidance. And how does it make you feel that they trust you enough to firstly come with you, come to you with that story and secondly trust the advice that you're about to give and you know when they walk away feeling better about the situation how do you feel and they're all like yeah we feel like pretty awesome we feel like amazing we could help somebody out and I'm like cool so now flip the switch imagine next time you feel like you don't want to burden somebody with what you're going through imagine on the flip side being that person that you share that thing with and how empowered that person now feels you know being trusted to share that with you so it's kind of like you get to flip the switch and you can think of it from the other side you're not burdening them. You're actually empowering them with the stuff that you're giving them to share. Mm, yeah, that's that's true. And I have a very similar saying with that as well about uh, giving and receiving, as most of us are very good at uh, giving. Like I'm a very good at giving. I can give things to people and help and support people. But I always ask, I've always explained that in a very similar way. Um, like I ask, that, hey, what? Like how do you feel when you give something to someone? It's a good feeling. And what happens is when you reject someone, when someone tries to do something or give you something, um, you reject them, you stop them from having that feeling. And yeah. we're all very good at giving. We can give and give and give, but receiving is very hard. And um, it's something that I had to overcome as well. And that's I have a very similar philosophy as what you're just speaking about. And um, yeah, it goes both ways. It goes both ways. And it's very important to have that flow as well. I, I want to just quickly ask about, like, how did you get into living and doing that? Like the speaking side of things. Um, I, I actually lived with Sam Webb, one of the co-founders, when he first moved to Sydney. And you know what? The funny story is I met Sam when I was doing the plebs, pros, and personalities. Like when I first, first, first moved to Sydney and one of the first like kind of like media events I did, um, I went with one of the girls that I trained who was, I guess, a celebrity. Yeah. And um, we went and he was there. And if anyone who doesn't know what that event is, it's basically like a 24 hour run on the treadmill. So you're in kind of like everyone does like, however, 30 minutes to an hour and then they switch up and the next person gets on. So someone's always consistently on the treadmill for those 24 hours and you're raising money for living or for charity. And um, Sam was there. And I just remember seeing him seeing this like ball of energy over in the corner, loud and vibrant and obnoxious and about to get on the treadmill with his beer. And I was like, who the hell is that? And turns out he just looks over like, what's up, you lemons? And you're like, oh, my God. And he's like, that was Sam Webb. And um, we kept in contact. He actually tried to hit on my roommate back then, but whole different story. Yep, <laughs> slid into her. Um, oh, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Webb is dropping in the DM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back in the day. Um and he ended up, we just kept in touch after that. And then when he first moved to Sydney, he came and trained with me. And then my roommate then moved out. So he moved in with me. And it was really, you know, he lived with me for sort of six months. And he's one of those people that you can't help but be inspired by just by the passion and the purpose that they have for their everyday life. And I would get up in the middle of the night, um, you know, sometimes to get a glass of water or whatever, and he would be sitting there packaging stuff up to send out to live in. He would be replying to messages because he didn't want anyone to fall through the cracks. He was so passionate about what he was there to do and why he was doing it that he couldn't help but want to be involved. And he, the first time he couldn't make a talk at um, Corporate Fighter, he asked me to go in his place, and that was the first time I ever did a talk for them. And then he got me to fight in the ring and got me my nose and my ribs broken, which was even more fun. And we oh, both lost on the same flight card. So that was awesome. That's the <laughs> Thanks, Webby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it kind of just escalated from there, you know, like for me, when I shared with him my story, because it's, it it's not even as big a story as it is now, but back then, like I've always had a story and I've always wanted to be able to tell it in the hope that I could help somebody else who might be having similar experiences through their journey. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So, like, we've got a quick brief of like your current situation and your story. Now, I want to take it take it back. Um, I guess there was a time in your life where things weren't as great. Um, probably looking back and reflecting at them now, you feel like definitely the the life gave you all the lessons that you needed at that time. But um, maybe just elaborate on that a little bit for, more for us, please. I think there are certain points in your life that you kind of I consider them pivot points. Yep. Right, like big major decisions you make off the back of something 
really traumatic happening. And I think the first time that kind of happened to me was when I was 15 and two things happened. One, I was being bullied at school for being too skinny. So my nickname at school was Alexa Anorexa. Yeah. Kids were really awesome. Um, and so I went to the gym like on this mission for muscle. You know, that was what started me in that direction. But the second thing that happened was that my mom was diagnosed with manic depression or bipolar. And, you know, back in those days, depression wasn't even a recognized textbook disease. So there was no education or awareness or resources or support networks um, for mental illness, mental health or suicide. And when I was 17, my mom tried to take a life and I intervened. You know, I walked in at that point. And for me, it was probably like, it was one of those moments that it was so incredibly heartbreaking because you all know when someone's kind of struggling, you know when you're struggling, but you don't really have any idea of what goes through somebody's head at that point where they feel like that is their only option. And I just couldn't wrap my head around it. You know, and for a long time, it really, it was the thing, the toxic thing that underlay my relationship with my mum. You know, and it took me a long, long, long time to understand that it was nothing to do with me because I carried around so much guilt around that. And I feel like a lot of people who are in those situations where their close friends and family, um, you know, decide that that's an option that they want to pursue, you have that survivor's guilt of like, could I have done anything? Did I miss something? Jesus, like, was part of this my fault? What could I have done differently? And it took me a long time to reconcile that it was nothing to do with me. Mm. Um, yeah, that's so true because I've had this conversation as well with many people like about, you know, what happens when someone tries to take their life and like what do we do moving forwards because it's not a very big talking topic where people are, okay, my mate tried to take his no. life, et cetera. Um, what happens here? And like there's a lot of guilt and shame held around it and it's, it's like, okay, no, that happened. We don't talk about that now. And for that to happen, a lot of people – find it very hard to move forwards without talking about it or breaking it down and, and understanding and giving some clarity around it. It's, it's, it's hard for people to move forwards and move on from that. And I feel like you've probably had to experience that yourself as well. Oh, look, 100%. And I, you know, it took me like a very, very, very long time and a lot of work and sitting down and being alone with myself. Um, it, you know, whenever I go and do a talk for a living, you know, one of the things that I say to kids there, because, invariably there's already there's two or three kids in that room that have experienced something similar um, and really don't know what to do with it and don't want to talk about it because they feel like they're going to be judged for allowing that person to go through something. And it's like you have to remember that at that time you did everything you could with the information that you had at that moment in time and that's what you have to hold on to. You know, because at the end of the day, you are only responsible for your own behaviour. Um, and it, for me, it just, I had to really dig deep and learn how to be a better human in order to support my mum. Cause for me at those, you know, in those places, like both my parents were military. So I grew up in this, um, household, like my dad was a major in the British army. My mum was a medic specializing in gunshot wounds. They met in the British army. I'm an only child. So I grew up basically traveling around Europe by myself. Well, I was left in a mess by myself. Like one of my earliest memories is of me sitting on my dad's foot, begging him not to go as he walks out the door to go to war, mm. you know, and being in that environment, you are cultivating independence and you're cultivating camaraderie within the greater military family, but you're also cultivating this push through mentality, you know, and stopping as weakness or, you know, you don't show weakness kind of thing because you're at war, you can't, you know. And so a lot, a big part of me when that happened to my mum and she was really sick for a long time, I looked at her as being weak, you know, and I, it gives me incredible guilt when I look back on it now and think about all the ways in which I didn't support her because I just didn't understand what was happening. Um, when I finally did, you know, get to point and I, you know, I didn't speak to anyone about it. I didn't know that you could speak to anyone about it. Like, like I said, there was no awareness back there. So it took me a long time to come to terms with that. But one of the first things that I did when I got my head around it was make the decision that I wanted to bridge that gap. I wanted to mend my relationship with my mom. I wanted to support her. I wanted to be there for her. I wanted her to know that I loved her because I never, ever wanted to face the thought again of her being at that point where she felt like she was so alone and that she thought that nobody loved her and that's, you know, 
and that's what she was taking with her. So it just became about, I just want her to know, even if she doesn't want to talk to me about it, I just want her to know that I'm here. Mm. And that's sometimes that's all you can do. Like the biggest tool that we have in our toolbox is our ability to listen and to just hold space for somebody because sometimes that is literally all it is. Yeah, most people just want to be seen and heard. Just like you don't have to have all the replies. You don't have to, um, you know, sometimes just sitting there and listening and, and hearing what someone's got to say um, is the best thing you can do because people felt like feel like they're not heard or seen and they're invisible and that's why no, they think nobody cares about them. So that's that's such a big thing as well. I want to know, like, as a like, how how young were you then? When you were sixteen, I was fifteen. Fifteen when my mum was diagnosed, and then seventeen when she tried to take her life. Do you remember? I guess, like, what, what was that like for you? Like going through high school because that was like you would have been in year twelve then, huh? Yeah. Yeah. How, how, how um, was that? Like that would have been like, did you go back to school? Because like it's very interesting to understand like. A lot of people like something like that happens. Like I guess a very traumatic or pivotal point in their life happens, and um, we tend to brush past. I guess what the feeling was and what happened. Like at that time, do you remember like how you're feeling, the emotions, and like and how you actually transitioned back into day to day normal lifestyle? Because going back to school after something like that would have been like hard. Yeah, and it was one of those things. Like I really didn't like. If I I've made contact with some of the people that I went to school with now. And not one of them had any idea that that was going on at home. Because like I said, I really didn't speak about it. Um, but there's kind of like, there's two sides to my life, I guess. There's the side where I've always been into fitness. And that was kind of, you know, the gym for me. I dealt with, I dealt with life in two ways. Because I was, I tell you what, I was so angry. And I was so frustrated. I was just pissed off with the world. And at that point, I kind of rebelled. You know, like up until that point, I had been a straight A student. Mm. You know, like that was, I loved school. I loved being there. I loved putting the time in. After that point, I really rebelled. Um, you know, I wanted to do my own thing. I didn't want my parents involved in anything. I didn't feel close to them. I wanted to be as far away from them as possible. You know, I remember running away a couple of times with my then boyfriend who was just kind of bad news. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, We're you know so I was Oh, dear God, I shot <laughs> Save that little pencil note. So you shouldn't have brought that one up. We're going to get into that too. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he was he was a bit of a rebel with no cause at all. Okay. Um, but, you know, I did things like that. But I also, you know, when my mum when my mum was diagnosed and after her suicide attempt, like our lives were medicated. And I say our lives because, yes, I'd found the gym and I'd found connection through that. But my dad had started drinking at that point. So from the time I was 16, my dad was an alcoholic. And so I found this first sense of connection when I went to the gym, but I found the second sense of connection when I found his whiskey bottle. And I drank from the time, like hardcore drank from the time I was 15 through to like, what, 28, 29 when I quit drinking completely. Um, you know, and my dad went from like being a functioning alcoholic through to just a plain old alcoholic through to dying of liver cirrhosis as a direct consequence of being an alcoholic. He was an alcoholic for a very long time. And I saw that and I had my first hip glass of rum by myself when I was 15 and I drank the whole thing and I was so freaking ill that I could never touch rum again. But every weekend I was out with the cool kids because that was the only way I felt connected and part of something. Um, was to get amongst it like that and be really drunk, you know. And I would drink to the point of blacking out, getting myself in a really dangerous situation, being, you know, sick for three or four days, and I would lie about it. Mm. Like, it's it's not something that I'm proud of, but I, I did that for a long time. And it's funny now because you, I listen to when I go into schools or, you know, I listen to the young the younger generation. God, I'm one of those people now. Um, but you know, I listen to how people talk about drinking and it's like, they think that it's really normal to go out and binge drink in the weekend or to, you know, get so shit faced that they don't remember anything or get themselves into these situations. And because they're only doing it like say two nights a week or Friday through Sunday, they don't think it's a problem. I'm sorry, but if you're not drinking for like, just to have a social glass of, you know, wine with your friends and family at dinner or to celebrate with your mates, if you're drinking to a point where you have to get shit faced. You have a problem. Mm. And binge drinking in Australia, like I'm still, having not drunk now, I've been 12 years sober. 
And having not drunk now, like even going out, I'm still amazed at how confronting it is for other people because they feel like you're directly challenging their lifestyle choices just by being sober. Like it's more confrontational or more not normal to be sober out than it is to be drunk. And that's like a terrifying. That's a worry, hey, because I will speak into this as well. I'm the same. I haven't drunk all year. Um, and I, I had a very similar relationship with drugs and alcohol, um, as you were saying. And, yeah, people look at you. They're like, oh, this guy's from outer space. Like, he doesn't drink. Why? Like, yeah, why aren't you drinking? Why can't you have one? Yeah, something's wrong with him. Something's wrong with mm. him. It was actually really, like, it just sparked then. I had actually, I went to the state of origin in Adelaide, like, four weeks ago, whatever it was. And uh, a comedian got up on stage and he actually was joking about it. He's like, oh, you know, you know, there's that friend. We all have that friend. And he's like, oh, that doesn't drink. And, um, yeah, he was just making a joke about, like, people that don't drink and how they're weird. And, and yeah, he was like, yeah, humorize it. And I was like, oh, shit, man, it's actually a deep conversation because that's just that. I guess that's just a culture as well. I guess that's a culture that we've grown up with. Like, if you don't drink, you're just, you're not normal. If you don't just get shit-faced and, and that's a very um, Aussie thing, I feel, as well. Like, especially when you go on holidays, you go to Bali, like, you definitely see all the Aussie dudes. They're the noisy ones. Wrecking shit. <laughs> it's just, like, everywhere you go. When I go to, like, Bali and stuff and, like, see all the Aussie dudes, I'm, like, I go way the opposite way from them because you're always up to no good and just, like, wrecking shit and getting so shit-faced. And that's such a cultural thing, I feel. Like, that's just culturally accepted. Yeah, it is. And it's funny, like, when I was – um. I was doing uh, like a 98 seminar once and we were talking about, because a lot of our, like a lot of our top coaches are from Super League and they've done all these studies on like what, if you took one thing away from players, from a team, like took one thing, said they couldn't do one thing that really affected their performance and their ability to perform as a team, what did everybody think it was? And nobody had the right answer. And it turned out fear because it's seen as bonding. Like, that is seen as the way that teams bond. And, like, I mean, I get it to a certain extent if you're in a social setting and you're having one or two beers to celebrate a win or whatever, but it's not like that. You know, like, if that, if taking away beer or the ability to drink with your teammates is the one thing that hinders your performance, I mean, fuck, that's scary in itself. Yep. But. It's such a, yeah, it's just like a, okay, let's train as hard as we can. Like, I used to play footy as well, and it was like, you just play hard out, and as soon as you finish, you drink. Harder than what you played. That's just it. 100%. And you think about it, like you go into all these, like, I did an article on this earlier in the year and it was like, you know, dry July or sober October or whatever. You, people sign up for it. They're doing it for a good cause. Great. They get to feel what it's like to not drink for that amount of time. But then how do they reward themselves at the end of the month for their good behavior? They fucking poison themselves again. It's all about like, oh my God, it's nearly the end of the month. Now I can go out and drink again. It's like, well, what have you actually learned from this month? Not a lot. Yeah. You know, or did you really take the time to appreciate the fact that you feel really good after that month? Like, how do you feel after not drinking all year? Awesome. I got, actually, this is, like, brings up another conversation around this. At the start of the year, or just when the whole COVID thing was going on, that there was that drinking challenge with, uh, you know, Skull the Eggs and everything. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. I, I did a video <laughs> on it. I did a video on it, and I don't use Facebook. And one of my mates got yeah. it, and he's like, hey, man, have you seen that thing, like, people encouraging people to um, drink for mental health. And I was like, what? And I got on yeah. there and I looked at it and I was like, has anyone said anything about this? And I asked him and I asked a few people, has anyone like pulled these people up and said, hey, like this isn't, that's not supporting it. That's like, that's not, you used to going against things there. And um, I actually did a video on it and I, I yeah, it was quite a, like direct, um, you know, and it, it was, there's a little bit of swearing in it, but, Obviously, I needed to speak to the tradies. I wasn't trying to be all spiritual yeah. and speak to the woo-woo people. I was, <laughs> I was direct to the, like, because it was all, like, the, you know, yeah. the straight Aussie dudes, the tradies and stuff, and because I'm from that area, I'm like, I can't get on here. So, hey, guys, just guess what, you know. I said, look, guess what? Get your fucking shit together. You guys shouldn't be doing this. No, I'm not going to be sculling beers, and no, you should not be, you know, and really gave it to them. And, um, yeah, it blew up, and there was so much on there. But I had people fucking at me saying, how dare you speak to people like that? Don't you have, like, was there was a full-on war in the comments about me telling people that this is not, like, you shouldn't be doing this and saying or speaking like that. But they missed the whole point where people were encouraging other people to drink for mental health. 
Yeah. Oh, I, 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 I tell you, I actually put up a video on Instagram doing the exact same thing, being like, are you fucking serious? You guys should know better than this. You know, knowing that alcoholism and drug abuse is one of the major causes for depression, anxiety, and therefore suicide. And yet this is how you decide it's great to spread the word. Celebrate. It's not good for yourself. Yeah, like pick something different. There are plenty of things that you could have picked. Mm. Go back to the ice bucket challenge. I don't care, but using drugs and alcohol as a reward system to promote mental health? No. Sorry, but it's just not. It's not the way you do things. I had so many guys reach out to me and say, hey, man, like, and comment in it and personally message me. Thank you very much for saying that because I sent the people that had tagged me in there saying I had to do it, your video and explaining it. And I don't feel pressured now because I was under a lot of pressure and people were, you know, messaging me saying, you got to do the challenge, you got to do the challenge. And they're like, look, I'm not in a good headspace. I don't want to do the challenge. I don't want to go, you know, drink shots and skull some eggs. I'm like, I'm not, that's not going to help me. And yeah. I could not think of anything worse. Oh my like, God. That's, I was like, what kind of drunk made that up? Some idiot made that up. <laughs> and you know what the, the most exciting thing was? Is I called a lot of people's bullshit. I'm like, okay, yeah, he's, you know, he's a big man. You want to you know, have some shots? I'm saying, how about we do something? Create a new challenge that isn't drinking. Silent. Crickets. You know, they don't oh, want to do that Because you know what? It's hard. I said, why don't you start a conversation with one of your friends? Cry it. Like, yeah, that's what I thought too. Big dogs want to step it up and skull some beers because they're mad. I'm like, yeah, anyone can do that. I think that. There's also like, I mean, good on you for having the courage to speak out and actually address it, you know, because it is. You're, you're going to get way more hate for doing that than actually being in support of it, you know, from the people who don't drink. But oh, it's, um, it's one of those things. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like one of those things as well, like all of those challenges, they're great. But, you know, like I've seen so many push-up challenges and stuff now I get that people are getting aboard the whole create awareness, raise some money. But you know what would be even better is if you actually put all that stuff into practice and paid someone a compliment today or went out and did a random act of kindness or actually, you know, went and started a conversation with your friend or checked in on a friend. That's the stuff that's really useful. Yeah. Sending out push-up challenges to people are just doing 25 push-ups on camera. It's not starting a conversation. It's just getting out there so people can show how good they are at push-ups. Like, yeah. I get it, and it's they've got the right idea, but have a freaking conversation. Like, actually, do something tangible that you'll notice the effect of straight away. It's it's a thing that they can avoid actually doing the thing. Yeah, so, I'm in support of the thing, but I'm not going to do yeah, it. Yeah, that, that's all it is. It's just like a cover plate to say, like, I support it, but I'm actually not going to do it. I'm just going to like do this thing, so I'm kind of like off the hook there, and like people are like, okay, he's he's doing that thing, okay. And it's like, it's just a, it's a call, it's a little cop out, I feel, in a lot of ways. It's definitely a good cause, but um, yeah, like, it's just, it's easier to talk about it or like, you know, just jump on a little bandwagon and rather be about it as well. And, um, oh, 100%. I'm okay, all good, you know, it's, it's getting there, it's slowly getting there, but yeah, I feel like we haven't had any more stupid challenges like that one. Um, and hopefully not anymore soon. Surely, wood. surely someone's going to, I might come up with something. I made, I made up one the next day, put it up there. Like the video I made of me calling everyone a dickhead or whatever, like just blew up straight away. There's hundreds of thousand people watched it in that day or whatever. Um, the one that I said, like changing this challenge. Yeah. No one, no one. I'm like, of course they wouldn't because it's, it, it's, it's, um, thing. But actually, we, we went off task before too because there was a question that popped up there before, so I don't think I'm going to forget about that. It was the uh, the boyfriend's one. <laughs> I was like, oh, dear God. You, you just gonna... wait till I write the book. There are going to be so many names and shames. People out there should be terrified. <laughs> oh, look out if you're an ex or you're someone that slid into the DMs and you listen to this, look out because we're going to call you out. No. <laughs> Maybe don't name and shame too many people. But, oh, um, good God. That's why I'm still single. Oh, okay. Anyway. Okay. We, we wanna, <laughs> actually, we'll ask this question because it's a common question. Oh, God. You know, a woman like yourself would, would get, um, you know, men definitely hit on you, et cetera. What, like, like what's some hit pickup lines? Have you got any pickup lines, any hit up lines that some guys hit on you with? Look, I have, but to be honest, to be fair, I am the girl that guys challenge to an arm wrestle when they go into a bar. They do not ask for my number. No kidding. Like, I know you get, look. I'm going to have to get you a shirt. I'm going to have to get you a shirt that says, don't no arm fucking wrestle me. <laughs> don't arm wrestle me. Ask me for my number. Yeah. 100%. Like, honestly, that, I kid you not. Like, that, if I go into a bar, I am not the girl that guys try to pick up. 
I've had this conversation plenty of times before with like girlfriends and guy friends or whatever, but I'm not the girl that guys try to pick up. I'm the girl that they want to fight or they want to like bench press or they want to do some random shit, but it's never about getting my number. Okay. Yeah. And even when they start like sliding into the DMs, I usually get asked for training sessions. Okay. Well, maybe that's yeah. a, that's a, like a sly <laughs> into something else. Maybe they don't know how to approach you. Are you approachable? That's the thing I, I ask women this as well. And um, I'm like, okay, are you approachable? They're like, yeah, of course I am. I'm like, maybe not. I'm like, I know you. I've seen you at the gym. You're my friend. I definitely don't think you're approachable. How do, do you feel yeah, like you make yourself available to be approached? Make myself available. <laughs> Short of having like a red light. I got told to go stand in Harris Farms and like with my light on. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, what does that even mean? But anyway, no, look, I'm, I'm probably – like the chattiest person that you will ever meet out. Like I talk to everybody and I'm actually really direct. Like if I think someone's hot, mm. I will be the first person to go up. But it turns out that guys don't really like that. Maybe it's intimidating. I don't even know. Maybe I need to come up with some better pickup lines. But little boys don't like that. Um, oh, well, there you go then. Maybe I need to date men. Yeah, that's the big difference. That's the problem. That's, yeah, there you go. There's a line there. <laughs> but yeah, well, we'll get into that later. But yeah, no, I'm really not. And like even now, put up I think I put up something I don't really get DM'd a lot like no dodgy people although I did have some guy called hot chocolate basically tell me the soles of my feet were really sexy on Instagram and then I was like that mate that's like fun that's an OnlyFans thing he was like oh my god do you have an OnlyFans account I was like Jesus Christ no but that's where that shit would go <laughs> yeah that's where that would go man I'm not on there <laughs> but maybe my soles of the feet need to be on there somewhere yeah, shit maybe I'll start one up <laughs> Just take a photo. I'll send your photo on my big old foot and put it on there. It was God, so yeah. funny. But, yeah, like, people don't, like, really don't. And I'm hoping that that is a case of, like, when I'm on Instagram, yeah, I'll put up the occasional bikini shot or whatever. But I generally, I'm not a tits and ass influencer. I don't see myself that way. Like, I want to be an educator, and I would rather have respect than attention. Mm. So if that's what I get from Instagram, I'd rather I got training questions or whatever than someone slide into my DMs and if you want to slide into my DMs send me a picture of a dog because you're going to get a much better response yeah don't, don't send your dick. dog pics don't not dick pics don't send dick pics that's like that's like don't a red it. flag that's like a red that's I don't even know how guys lead with that I'm like oh, like oh. I got mates that do that and like I've asked them I'm like really yeah like no, I wouldn't say they're my close mates but people that I know you know I, I ask a lot of weird questions when I'm at I'm like you know show me what's in your inbox man I'm like did you just lead with a dick pic, man? Did you just send that to that person? I'm like, why would you do that? Um, oh, but yeah, I don't know what guys, what's going through guys' heads when they just go, okay, this, or like, oh yeah, here's this lady. Or maybe I'll just instead of saying, hey, how are you? How's your day? Which they probably get that all the time, but like, maybe just send them a dick pic. They're gonna be <laughs> like, oh yeah, awesome. I'm sitting here eating my salad at lunch. Here's this guy's dick. <laughs> like, <laughs> what would you like me to say to that? Yeah, you should like, change your angle, babe. It might look a bit better from here. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I would just screenshot another dick and send it back to them. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. Or just, well, I've got friends that like just name and shame and just put it up on their Instagram and be like, this is how you start a conversation. And you're like, mm hmm. Okay. I want to ask, like, relationships. You had any, mm -hmm. uh, you, you've been in relationships? What, what's that look like? I've been in a relationship. Um, the last relationship, I've been single now for eight years. Okay. Yeah. Um, the last relationship I had was actually when I was overseas and it was really toxic. And like, I want to, like, I can't really put, I'm not going to say that he was a really bad person because he's a great guy. He's just not the right guy for me. Okay. And it developed into a really toxic situation and it took me two years to figure out how to leave. Um, and I was in a really, really, really bad place. And it took me a year to rebuild myself because I became the person that, you know, when you speak to people and they're just not happy, you go, you know, how are you or how so? And so they're like, oh, yeah, you know, they've never got anything nice to say. Yeah. And I turned into that person. I hate listening to those people over and over and over again because you can have a certain amount of empathy to some point. But if you aren't open-minded enough to make any changes or make any decisions to make your life better in that regard, then you've got to stop whinging about the same problem. Like, be open to fixing it, be open to taking advice, be open to working on it, but don't come in and whinge about the same shit all the time. And I got to a point where I was that girl, that I was whinging all the time about my relationship. Um, and it's really interesting because for me, like, physical intimacy is a big thing. 
and I knew that my relationship was over when I didn't want that anymore. Yes, you know, right. and it, yeah, and it's, you know, and I think I know a lot, I actually know a lot of people who've been through similar things, but you kind of just hold on in the hope that it's going to get better. And I remember having conversations at the time being like, is this just what happens when you're with someone for a long period of time? Like your sex life is just, you just don't want it anymore. Yeah. And they were like some of them who'd been with their partners for like, you know, 20 years. They're like, yeah, you go through ups and downs, but you know, sex isn't a big thing. And I was like, I never want to be in a relationship where it's not a big thing because that, that side of things is really important to me. Yeah, intimacy and um, connection, hey. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, absolutely. And there's not, like, nothing beats having an intimate connect, like having intimacy, but also when you have that connection with people. Like, I hate one night stands mm. because I feel like you never get to know the person. Yeah, you look at something um, deeper rather than just, you know, yeah, and like a short term, um, you know, experience. Yeah, 100%. It's like instant gratification, but we live in a world of instant gratification. And the sad thing about like social media these days is like everyone's available with a swipe. It's like Bumble on steroids, you know. And mm. the thing that I have to take responsibility for is that I have, and it took me a long while to realize this, is I have allowed people to treat me a certain way. I have to take responsibility for that. Yes, there are people out there that treat people really badly, but at some level, you also create your own boundaries. And that's something that I'm working on because that's one of my biggest weaknesses is like, I'm a giver like you, like I'm all about giving and you know, whatever I find it really hard to receive. And so for me, like I need to create those boundaries and I need to put them up really quickly. And you know, it's funny because the older I get, the more I realize that I have to have those really hard and often uncomfortable conversations early up about relationships, about what I want, because I tended to just go with the flow before. Um, and then you inevitably you get hurt because you're kind of just going with it, trying to fill a void or trying to do, you know, trying to connect with someone for the wrong reasons. Whereas, you know, me now, I'm in a really good place. It's taken me a long time to get here. But now when I meet guys, I'm like, I have those, I want to have those conversations up front about what they want because what's the point in investing in something if somebody's not open-minded? Like if you're going into something and, you know, considering hooking up with someone or whatever, but you're coming from a place of like you're looking for a potential relationship and they're coming from a place of like, well, they're just, you're a hot girl on Instagram and they just want to hook up with you. If you're not having those conversations up front, you're investing time and energy into somebody who you're inevitably going to get hurt because your expectations aren't going to be met. So that was a long process for me, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at and all the friends that I've spoken to that are in, like two of my best friends have recently started you know, they're in really happy relationships and they're actually like, the guys are much younger, which is also interesting. Um, but, you know, they were at a point where they just weren't, and it's cliched, I know, but they weren't really looking for it. They did a ton of work on themselves. They knew what they wanted. They weren't afraid to tell the person and uphold the boundaries around what they wanted. And they've ended up with exactly what they wanted, you know, so... That's very... Yeah. And, and it's that's a very confronting thing too when you... Like, I guess when you get to a stage in life when you, because I'm at the stage too where I really know what I want and I'm very vocal about it. Like, you know, and I don't let, a, like, women just come into my circle like I used to. Um, I'm like, okay, I'm very cautious of who I let right in my personal space. And um, when you know what you want and you really are clear on it, I guess that, that number of people really gets small. Oh, my God. It gets really it small. It really dwindles. And there was a stage where I'm like, am I being too picky? Am I being too picky? And I had a conversation with a bunch of other people about this as well. And they're like, no, you're not being too picky. You're just certain about what you want. And um, that's that's a good thing because when you do come across that person, you'll know. Like, you should never, ever want to settle. Mm. Like I read this really I read this really good thing the other day and it was like, you know, because I hate having those conversations because if you actually like someone and you're having a conversation and you know there's a very big chance that, if you have that conversation about what you want and they're not on the same level as you, they're going to walk out and you're not even going to get, you're not going to get anything. It's, you know, like I've often avoided having those conversations in the beginning because I don't want to risk losing the other person. But then I read the thing that was like, if you're having those conversations and it scares the other person, they're not the right person for you anyway. Yes. And it was like, it's so true. I will never, ever settle again. And it's like pulling myself up on my own behaviors now. Like I've got girlfriends that are like, Alexa, what the fuck are you doing? Like, yep, <laughs> I, I always say it like come as you are come as you are and it, in relationships and like when two people meet i always call it it's not the honeymoon period it's a mask period there's like that three months oh 
and oh, that everyone's on their best like, behavior. Yeah, everyone's on their best behavior. And for me, I, I and you know, anyone that's you know, I've been seeing it. I'm like, hey, just come as you are. Please don't try to be anyone else because it's just whether it happens now, or it happens in a week, or it happens in two weeks or a year, or whatever. Eventually, that shit has to come off, and I'll see who you really are. So just come as you are, and I show up as who I am. And um, yeah, I've had many times of you know, that is like, okay, is this like this isn't what I wanted. I'm like, okay, okay. You know what it's hard though? Like it would be the same for you. Like you get you get people come into your life, like being in the mental health space especially, people reach out to you because they're broken. You know, they want help, they want to be inspired, they want to have an aspiration to be somebody and they see you as somebody that they really want to be like. They want the life that you've built yourself. They want the motivation that you have daily. Um, you know, so then you spend this time trying to heal them and fix them and then they realise that to be on your level, there is so much work that needs to be done. They're like, Jesus Christ, I don't think I can do that to be the person that I really want to be right now. You know, and that, it weeds out a lot of people, you know, because mm. doing what we do and being in a place where you've actually been through the pain and tried to heal the pain and often that's like a really painful process in itself, like that's hard, that's difficult shit and not everybody is going to want to do that. Not everyone's ready to square off with their bullshit. And I always ask no, they people, they're like, oh, you know, I want to help, you know, you know, you know, can you help me, et cetera. I'm like, are you ready to square off with all your shit? And they're like, oh, yeah. And when they say that, I'm like, yeah, come on. You'll, 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 have you know. seen the David Goggins, have you seen the David Goggins podcast with Tom Bilyeu? It's like how to be a savage. Yes, I have. I have. That was a long time oh. ago. I think that might, have, that might be a year or two old, that one, I think. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's the third, second or third one he's done with Tom Bilyeu, but it was literally all about he has this mirror of accountability. Yeah. And he's like, you know, he used to talk to himself like, you're fucking fat, you're fucking lazy. And he would just pull apart. But he's like, instead of looking at the bigger picture, you pick out these toxic traits in yourself or the things that you don't, you're not happy with within yourself. And you're like, okay, what am I going to do today to get better at this? What am I going to do today to not be so fat? What am I going to do today, you know, to not be so lazy? And he'd work on this day by day and, and time by time. And I really like that approach, but there are very few people that can look in the mirror and be really honest about what they see, but not in a way that's like a negative feedback loop in a way of like, I'm going to be accountable and what the fuck am I going to do today to work on it? Yeah. I, I love that too. Cause that's something I, I do. I throw it behind me, not in front of him, in front of me. So it stops me. I, and it's the same with fear, you know, fear is a cool thing, but when you start to play with it and many people put fear in front of them and it's a, it's a stop, it's a stop, yeah. it's a stop. But if you learn how to place it behind you and drives you, it's actually a really cool thing. And I've, I've been playing with that over the past couple of years. And I'm like, oh, you know, the many the things you fear in life are usually the things that you need in life. And, um, yeah, just diving into those things has been really important. But, uh, yeah, it's super hard where, like, trying to put that, you know, take it, take that fear away in front of you and place it behind you so it forces you forwards is, um, you know, that's a hard game to play as well. It's not for everyone, but... Oh. It's definitely a really no, it's good, not. you know, it's a very big tool that you can use as well. I, um, yeah, that's interesting about the relationship stuff. Hey, it's, uh, that's a really <laughs> common thing. That's a really common thing. We didn't get off that topic too. So, but we'll, we'll bounce into the <laughs> next one. I won't, I won't pester you any more of that. Actually, no, 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 actually we will actually. Maybe we need to find me a husband. Maybe yeah. this is. <laughs> hey, don't, don't worry. I've had this conversation before with a, with a lady I had on here, um, uh, a while oh, ago God. and. She was very much in the gym scene, and we were speaking about it, and uh, you know what she would like, and what, like what she's looking for in a man, etc. And like I seen, like a month later, she has one. I'm like, I don't know if really? that's because of the conversation we put it out to the universe it could happen, but yeah, I'm like, cool, okay. So what? Like, tell me, what are you looking for in a man? Like, what's he? What's he look like? Ooh. What's he feel like? And what traits does he have? Like, what's? Do you know your love yeah. language? First of all, have you ever done that? I have actually. Funny question. You're the first guy that's ever asked me that question, though. Okay. Um, my love language is probably acts of service. So, like, me too. time. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Being, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm big on that. Like, I used to spend a lot of time listening to what people said. And, you know, when you're in a space where you want validation, you were listening, you were reading into everything that somebody tells. Whenever they say you're amazing or inspiring or they want to do this or they want to do that, you're listening to it because that's the stuff that you want to hear. But if their actions don't follow through with that, like I'm all about, like if, if someone was going to get me a Christmas present, I would much rather they wrote out like a heartfelt card and spent the time with me 
as opposed to buying me a fucking box of chocolates, you know, like, or even an experience because I, I like things to come from the heart. Like I like people to be really genuine. Love, um, I love this. Yeah, that's. Me I like. I, I need people to be authentic. Are we going to get married? Is this yeah, where this happens? This is what happens. We're trying <laughs> When you were saying that, I, when you were saying that, I um, I had this uh, like I just like a gift that I got. One of the best gifts that I've ever got was my ex partner, and she gave me a jar, and it had like a, a on little bits of paper the things that she loved about me, and I was like, this, I've out. still got that oh. jar. I've still got Isn't that, that awesome? That's my kind yeah. of gift. I love that stuff. Hundred percent. Like I, yeah, I. That's that's definitely where I'm at. Like I think the most romantic thing I've ever done for someone is when I was like, I think it was 23, and I had this boyfriend. I lived in Auckland. He lives in Hamilton, and he was Maori. And I had a one of my best friends was like lead singer in a band. Yep. And he lives in Hamilton. I got him to go and deliver a whole um, like array of shellfish like seafood to the guy's family house. So he delivered it all there for him. And then he pulled him aside and he sang him a song on his guitar. Oh, that didn't work out. And it out. was like, well, you know, no, it didn't work out, but I'm still in contact with the guy. Was it because he's from Hamilton? <laughs> Hamilton, maybe. <laughs> maybe that was the year the Chiefs lost. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> Who even knows? But um, like we're still really, we're still really tight <laughs> now, even now. Like he actually lives over in the States now, but it's – um. Yeah, like I'm big on stuff like that. So someone who's really authentic. Um, I used to be, I used to be much more shallow. Like I always used to date. I always used to date Polynesian guys, and I always used to date like athletes. That was my type, like cats, athletes. Um, I don't know. Those are the guys that always had the confidence to come and ask me out. So those are the guys that I inevitably ended up with. Like one of my first ever boyfriends was Troy Flavel, who used to play for the All Blacks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like that, and that was my crew. And like, we're still friends and stuff. I ended up working for him in a Pilates studio. So like now I'm big on energy. Like I, I couldn't tell you what I really look for physically because before I came to Australia, I'd actually never dated a white boy. And I know that sounds really bizarre and random, but oh, right. I had that's it. what you got. What you got over in It was <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Well, there you go. And it was just, um, it was really interesting, but now like I don't have, I don't have that thing. I just really go off energy. I go with how I vibe with someone. The biggest compliment someone could ever pay me was like, man, your energy is so lovely. Like your energy is beautiful or awesome. Like that's what I vibe off. So looks-wise, you know, varies now. I don't really have a type anymore. Because yeah, you look matter. like you want to ask a question here. It does. <laughs> I'm very much on the same uh, wavelength in this. Like all of the extra stuff, like the looks and the whatever, that's all just extras. Like that's just all like perkies. For me, it's it's energy. It's like how that person. It's like you know, like I know when I, when I'm in the presence of someone that's um, is this that feel? And it has to be a feel. Yeah. And um, like I always ask people this as well. Like like who are you in a dark room? Like who are you? Like turn out all the lights and and those like um like who are you then? Who do you show up with? And because all these external things that we have, you know, people tend to judge us and and you know, put us into categories straight away by our looks, etc. But um, you really get to know someone when there's like. When they're all like, there's just like, you're not judged by, you couldn't see them. And um, some people just have a very special feel to them and an energy level that you can relate to and connect on a deeper level. When um, that's what I'm always looking for. Hey, that's what I'm always looking for. Oh. And that's such, such an important thing to have. Yeah, absolutely. It's like I watched, um, speaking of your, you know, um, who are you in a dark room? Well, say the podcast I watched the other day, one of the interesting things that Tom you said was like, his drug of choice is how he feels about himself when he's by himself. And that's so true. You know, like that kind of guides everything. It's like at the end of the day, like, would you want to be your friend? Would you want to, would you want to have you in your life? Fuck if yeah. you were somebody else, like, how do you feel about yourself? Like, how would you describe yourself just by somebody else? You know, like, and those are all the things like, fuck being pretty. It's just congratulations on a pretty face. Yeah. I don't want that on my head, you know, on my tombstone. I don't want someone to stand up at my funeral and give a eulogy about how great looking I was or how I fucking had, you know, the best biceps or how I gave a great arm wrestle. I want it to be about the how I made them feel and the authenticity that I brought to somebody or, you know, how I made someone feel safe or I inspired them to do something great or I empowered them to be to live an extraordinary life. Those are the things that I want people to say about me. As I always so, say, don't yeah. don't be the plate, be the bowl. Have some depth. There you go. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> yeah, be the bowl. Be, you know, be the bowl. <laughs> be the bowl, not the plate. <laughs> <laughs>
have some depth. I always <laughs> say like, you know, some you know, I always like I'm like, you know, she's got about as much depth and personality as a cardboard plate. <laughs> no, no, that's no offense, but sometimes that's, that's just what all girls. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's so. Well, you got to have some depth. You really got to have some depth, and um, that like I guess when you really try to be compatible with someone having that depth to who you are is so important. But you know what? Some people don't usually find that in their own personal selves for a very long time in their life. And um, I feel like you usually have to go for a bit of shit to understand uh, where you sit and where, and, you know, your values, etc. So, yeah, I feel like you're at that stage in your life. So I feel like there's a man out there. He's on the way. Um, universe, are you listening? I, I'm, just, I'm just like, you know, you're just waiting for the universal response. I'm like, yeah. I was looking at my door. One could walk through here now. <laughs> I come through a lot of men through my circle, so who knows? A lot of them could be listening. Um, could be well, one out there. Who knows? The DMs might flow in after this podcast. They Don't send me up. dick pics. No oh, dick pics, All the guys. dog pics. Send me the dog pics. Send me the pics of your puppy. Send me a pic of your dogs or, your, you know, your, your, <laughs> your farm animals, if you've got some farm animals. Yeah. Oh, yes, I want to live on a farm. Or some <laughs> jokes, you know, start with a joke or something. Don't slip in there straight with the uh, the old dick. Jokes are good. Like, yeah, jokes are good. Yeah, jokes are good. MA jokes or PG jokes? Like dad jokes? What, what kind of jokes do you like? Cause got to be a little bit specific here. Guys don't know. You know, might have to give a little prime, like a little prime here. If they, if they want to be cheeky, they can be cheeky. I tell you what, going back to your question, the best pickup line I've ever had was actually at a bar. And a guy came up to me. He didn't say anything. He drank my drink, like my whole drink. And I was just looking at him going, what the hell? And he was like, so can I buy you another one? I was like, fuck yeah, you can. Shit, that's a good one. Right? See, now you can use that. There you, you go. have to give that one a whirl. <laughs> nah, you'll get go- Not in the Gold Coast. Here's some girl hit you with a Louis Vuitton bag. and <laughs> Fuck you. Or stick a handbag dog on you. Yeah. yeah. I'll get smashed with one of oh. those ha- fancy handbags, and those things are hard too. You don't want to get hit with one of them. Oh, those well, are rock solid. Um, what are we getting up to? We're getting close to an hour here, but because I don't know Jesus. about you, but I feel like we can extend this conversation another time, hopefully, and have like a two point version because there's so 2. many 0, more. Yeah. There's too many more questions I got to go, and I don't want to open up the full rabbit hole yet because I know someone's going to um slide in the dms after this and i'm pretty sure next time we have a conversation we'll be able to name and shame a few people <laughs> so if you want like oh that, god so if you want my bros if you're listening to this just ps warning <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Nah, nah, i wouldn't do that uh. to you they know i wouldn't do that to you but i got two questions that i always ask at the end of this mm. podcast and it's um let's say i'm a genie right and I'm, i can give you a wish um and you get one wish to change anything in this beautiful, lovely world that we have. Um, what would that wish be? This is usually the bit where the women change ask, can anything. I have two? Can I have two? I'm like, oh, no, you can have one. No. Um, that's a really hard question. Like, change anything in this world, like anything at all. Yeah, anything, anything that you would like. Anything that I would like. You know, I just, there's nothing that I really wish that I could change, but I wish more people understood the power of kindness. Like I wish there were more kind people and not kindness to business, not the kind of kindness where you're doing something with the anticipation of getting something in return. I just wish that there were more people just wanted to be genuinely kind. Like I wish if I started a challenge that wasn't a push-up challenge and I said to everyone, pay it forward, buy the next person in line a cup of coffee today or, you know, go and do a random act of kindness, that that would go viral. You know, I I want that sort of thing to happen in our world. Dang, I love that. I yeah. love that. Mm. Mm. Second, <laughs> the, the last question actually that I always ask um, is, have you got any like words of wisdom or a quote or a phrase or something that you live by? Like is there something that grounds you and centers you as like, okay, when things get tough or hard, a quote, is there something you live by? Yep. And if I had a billboard, this is what it would say. No one ever regrets being a bigger person. Okay. Have you always had It that? doesn't matter what situation, huh? Oh, no, you go, sorry. Um, well, no, what I was going to say is that, you know, it doesn't matter what situation you are in. The universe can throw anything at you. People can throw anything at you. 
you can't control any of that stuff. But the one thing that you have absolute control over is how you respond to those situations. And I would never want to look back and think I reacted in anger and regret that. You know, I think I have one, one regret I have in my life is that I didn't completely mend the bridge with my mum before she suddenly died. And anyone else who's ever had a riff with their family that I've come across, it's always been the first thing that I've recommended they do because at the end of the day, you really don't never, ever regret being the bigger person. You never regret being kind. You never regret those words of kindness being your last words because it doesn't, you know, like you can reconcile everything you feel, but, you know, if that's what you're going to take away from the situation, like, yeah, no regret. Mm, that's such a big one because many people, um, even like guys and girls that come for airspace, like have, you know, parents that pass and they're like, I, I just wish I said, you know, sorry. I'm like, yeah, yep. you should because you held on to that. It's okay. It's okay. Um, and that's a lesson that we all get to learn as well. And that's even one that I've had to learn as well. And it's like, okay. And it's like, just forgive people. It's okay. I'm only, I'm the one that's going to hold on to it. Um, so. Exactly. It's not hurting any, I mean, it's not going to hurt all of that negative stuff. Yeah, I remember the first time I ever had this conversation with my energy healer and I have an energy healer who I work with like once a month who like if I, it gives me a new perspective on things and lets me let go and release and gives me affirmations and whatnot. And she was using like the analogy of like being stuck in traffic. And she's like, you know, imagine you're stuck in traffic and you're going somewhere and you, someone pulls in front of you or like you're going to be five minutes late or you're getting really frustrated with the state of things and you are getting angry and frustrated and you're getting road rage and you're beeping at people and doing the fingers at people and whatnot. And she's like, those other people, they don't really give a shit, really. But maybe you made their day a little bit worse by doing what you did. The only person being affected by your rage and your anger and your frustration right now is you. Mm, yep. And what is the point? Is anyone going to die if you don't gather in five minutes, five minutes later? Well, it's not. Definitely. And I was like, that is so true. So I use like, I went to, this is, could be really helpful for people out there. Like I went to a Tony Robbins thing and one of the, I didn't set up and dance or anything. I thought the whole thing was a bit weird. It was a bit culty for me. However, one of the biggest things that I took out of there was like, he has this thing called the 90 second rule. And this is something that I really enjoy. And it goes along with like everyone, no one regrets being the bigger person. It's that like every single moment, or if you find yourself in a situation where someone is really pissing you off or it's really hurtful or you feel like you're being attacked or, you know, things aren't going your way. Acknowledge how you're feeling. Acknowledge it and then turn it around and find something that you're grateful for within the next 90 seconds because anger and gratitude or fear and gratitude cannot coexist at the same time. So at every moment when you have that moment of anxiety or anger or frustration, take a moment, find something that you're grateful for and it can turn it around for you. Yes, yes, and yes, and I have some things around that too. It's like always like something comes up, like face it, feel it, free it. Because as soon as you face it and then you feel it, the emotion, what's going on there, and then you can free it. People just go like, oh, like face it, and then they're like, oh, try to get, go, 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 see you later. Um, but if you feel it, and what is there, and then you can free it. And, uh, yeah, with the hatred thing as well, I always got, an I got another, I got a couple sayings here as well, known for these things. Um <laughs> Like hating someone's like drinking poison and expecting them to die. Like, yep, so true. It's like you can hate someone. So but true. It's okay, they ain't, they ain't gonna die. Like, it's well, like, they don't care. Yeah, they, they don't know that you hate them. Probably, they don't care that you hate them. The only person who's being affected by that is you. Yeah. And hate is a very, very strong and toxic word. It can eat you up from the inside. So, yes, yeah. it does. Well. Let's let's wrap it up there, hey, because I like me and you can sit here and chat. We can keep going. I know. I'm like, I'm like, should, do I just like keep going? But I'm like, you know what? I'll save it because you know there's there's always time for more, and uh, we live in a world of lovely abundance. But is there anything that you would like to leave us with today? You know what? Every single person listening out there, just know that in every single interaction that you have. At any point in every day, you absolutely have the power to make somebody's day, change somebody's life, or potentially even save it. So whenever you go into any interaction, just remember that. Dang, that is it. That is our show for today. Thank <laughs> you very much for everyone out there. <laughs> yeah. Alexa, thank you for your time as well. 
uh, love and respect. But yeah, anyone out there, make sure um, you go check us out on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, if you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. Um, but other than that, Alexa, thank you very much. You are so very welcome. Thank you for having me. No worries. Appreciate it. I'm Mr. Hecker. And if you don't know, now you know that is our show for today. I appreciate your love, your support. Please have a beautiful, lovely day. If you could, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. That would be much appreciated. Until then, peace and love, and I'll see you on the next one.